And they just have a great work there in Pauline, South Carolina. Anybody here heard of Pauline, South Carolina? There's a few hands that are going up there. So Pauline, it's, it's really a part of Spartanburg in some ways. I'm sure the Pauline folk don't, don't appreciate that. Or Roebuck, yeah, it's a suburb of Roebuck. That's right. But uh, was able to go up there and, and re, you know, connect with him. And then we just, a friendships, you know, got started out of that. We did not know each other prior to that time, but we both had named our churches Legacy. Great minds think alike. How about that? He pastors Legacy Outreach Center in Pauline, South Carolina. He has a wonderful sense of humor, has a wonderful wife, Anne, and uh, she's just a precious lady. has a Nazarene background, so that's, that does Manning good to have a little Nazarene in there talking to him on occasion. <laughs> And I'm, the reason I'm talking here is because as soon as I lose him, God only knows what's going to happen in those moments. It's a cousin. Oh, yeah, Tracy's cousin. I forgot. Of course, everybody's a cousin in Spartanburg County, aren't they? But We won't go there. We went everywhere over the weekend, but we won't go there on Sunday morning. Anyway, Pastor Manny, we love you. Love your ministry. I wish you could get into every church in this nation. And teach the men. I want you to know if I could do that for you, I would just say do it. Because it was that impactful. It's that important and uh, life-changing. If the men don't get it, the church will go nowhere. But here's the good news. The men are getting it. The men are getting it. And it excites me. And, and ladies, I know you've had to keep church doors open. You're the ones that have been interceding. I praise God for you through the years, but get ready to move over. The men are coming through to war, to war the church back to the place it's to be in. Amen. That's exactly right. So pastor Manny Strickland, without further ado, we love you. I'm glad you're here again. It's not your first time. Let us have it both barrels. Let's give him a legacy. Welcome and honor the servant of the Lord, pastor Manny Strickland. Pastor Kevin said that I took a chance on having him. He took a far greater one having me. Uh, I'm glad to have Mike Freeling with us, who's one of our elders. And if it wasn't for Mike, I wouldn't be here. And Kevin and I wouldn't have the relationship we do. And also I have another special guest with me, Michael Nestorenko, who is from the Ukraine. He and his wife Alyssa are here. And uh, they've been with us in our home about two months and will be with us until the uh, middle of uh, uh, until the 20th of September. Uh, they came to the United States to have a better life for their four-week-old baby who is an American citizen. He speaks English, by the way. Uh, just got his passport. But walking through Walmart, the Lord convicted him. The Lord can talk to you in Walmart. How many of you the Lord talks to in Walmart? Okay. And they said, how can we go back? How can we stay in this country with... Our people dying and orphans dying. We've got to go back. And they've had multitudes of people and pastors try to talk them into staying here rather than going back and obeying the voice of God. Can you imagine a pastor trying to get you to disobey the voice of God? God forbid. Um, his wife's mother is living with, has 25 young girls living with them right now. 
in her house, in a, in a four-room house, three-room house. And she is uh, rescuing these girls, 16, 17-year-old girls, out of manhole covers and sewers in the Ukraine. And the rate of prostitution with the girls coming out of the orphanage is 60%. 70% of the boys end up in crime and 10% of the orphans commit suicide. The government will pay for the orphans' college. The only thing is the orphans can't read or write and can't fill out the forms. So Alyssa and Michael are going to go back and establish a bridge between the time that the, they get out of the orphanage and go into college so that they can enter in and, and begin to, to learn about Jesus, teach them Bible. Going to begin a, they'll be beginning a church in about a year and be that transition between the orphanage and the college. Her mother has uh, a, a, they're like two real special girls. They're just gorgeous girls. Uh, she rescued them from the manhole covers. They could not read, could not write, and in four years, one of them has finished a college degree and is going to be an architect. And then the other one is going into the ministry. So these children are being rescued, literally. Now, Michael and Alyssa got married when they got married. How, how long ago did y'all get married? Ten months ago they got married. Boy, y'all worked quick. Ten months. Can't be ten months. Ten and a half. I'm glad you said that half because I, you got a baby that's about five weeks old. That half scared me. Um, come out. Um, in the Ukraine, it's, it's customary for you to give the, 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 the couple money. And his, uh, her, her mother had saved up her whole, life, uh, her whole year's savings. And a bunch of other folks had given them their savings for their marriage, which in our economy would have been about four years' wage, the money they had. But the problem was they live in the Ukraine where things aren't like they are here that we take so much for granted. They got robbed. And the robbers took everything they had, all of their wedding money, everything they had from them. He called the police. The police came, helped the robbers rob them and put him in jail for four days. So how many of you want to go to Ukraine? How many, and Charleston ain't so bad, is it? Okay. Uh, but, but this couple has a beautiful heart. They have a wonderful heart. And uh, we just feel like God just let us take care of them. And uh, they've, been, they've been with us and we, we love them. And they're going to be going back the 20th. And we'll probably be going, back, going to the Ukraine and doing a men's retreat and a marriage retreat. See, my wife and I do a marriage retreat that is about the same level of the men's retreat because we don't leave any... any um, stones unturned there either, but it's just that the wives and the men, wives and husbands both get to be uncomfortable simultaneously. Okay. Uh, so we'll be going over there and doing that. So I'm so glad to have uh, both of the Michaels with me. And I want to say 
to, to, to Pastor Kevin and Tracy. Thank you for this opportunity. I always love coming here. I love, love fellowshipping with Pastor Kevin every chance we can in meetings and what have you. And it's always good to see cousins, and especially those that have all their teeth. And um, uh, uh, It's just wonderful to, 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 to be here. But, but it, it is the, the reason you wives can say thank you is not because of me, because it doesn't matter what I have to give or how I give it if pastors don't open the doors to let it in. And the reason pastors don't open the doors is because pastors are guilty of what I'm teaching. Or they're so naive they think, well, my men are holy and they don't need it. So I want you folks here at Legacy Church to do something for me. And I want you to pray that the Lord would open up doors I have, I have done everything in my power to let pastors know that this ministry is available. But they're as afraid of it as they can be. And you're going to see why in just a moment when I give you some statistics. The church is not going to have revival until the hearts of the men are a safe place. And God gave me a prophetic word about six or seven years ago when I began doing this, and, and it was this. I have dreams and purposes and plans that I want to deposit in the hearts of men, but their hearts are not a safe place. And if I were to give them my plans and my purposes and my dreams, it would come to ruin. You know, God's not going to cast His pearls before swine either. And He's not going to deposit His dreams and purposes and plans. We can fly in hotshot evangelists, bishop this, apostle that, and 50,000 member choirs, but revival isn't going to come until the priests of the home have hearts that are safe for God to deposit His purposes. And I believe here at Legacy Church, and this was a prophetic word yesterday or Friday, get ready, Legacy Church, because the priests of the homes in this house are shedding off the shame they're shedding off the guilt. They're shedding off the fear. They're shedding off the, 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 all of, the, of the, the inhibitions that go along with not being a man of God because you can't go to God in prayer with confidence if you know that what you've been doing in the darkness is contrary to what you want people to see you doing in the light. And I believe that this church is about to explode because the priests of the home are rising up to be what they're supposed to be. Can we stand right now and let's just give Jesus a hand clap of praise and let's just give Him some good shout. Let's just shout to the Lord. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The chains are gone. The chains are gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. A lot of men wish they had a new wife. We told them this weekend how to get one. What y'all been doing? You see, 
if the man will know how to make not that if 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 a, if, a, if the husband will will know how to minister to the spirit of his wife and let her spirit that is closed up like a billiard ball open up like a flower so that the fragrance can begin to come out. He will have a new wife because she will smell fragrances that she never smelled and her treasure in her can come out. And then he will begin to see a woman that he's been living with that didn't even know who she was. But before the woman can be made new, the man's heart's got to be made new. And I am encouraged because I have never had the reception of the men on Friday night. Usually the first night, guys are sitting there. I told them they sit there with their fannies so tight they about ripped the seat covers off these chairs. But, but they, were, they, were, they were loose and ready and the ice was broken and they were ready to go. And honey, we jumped in with all four feet and hit the road running. And, and I'm, get ready, Pastor Kevin. Ladies, get ready. I know some of you ladies think, well, he's done this before. And when you get out of town, he'll go back to like he was. Listen, the reason I am encouraged... And I do have a message, by the way. But the reason, I, the reason I am encouraged is because the last time we came and gave them part one, it stuck. We simply built this weekend upon what we did a couple of years ago. And it wasn't just a fly-by-night, passing-through-the-night thing. You guys who learned to bounce and starve, amen? Your wife knows that. Our wives aren't blind, right, ladies? And it's just—I'm just excited. I mean, I might even move to Charleston. I might just this this this. The good things are happening. Amen, amen. Well, would you stand one more time with me? You know, if I got to, it wouldn't hurt you to stand a little bit too. Um, uh, Ephesians five. If you look in Ephesians five. And thank you, Pastor Kevin, for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly that you open your pulpit and risk having me come. Uh, (laughs) uh, I do do thank you, and I know that God's going to bless this time today. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says, But fornication in all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. The NIV says, let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hearts of these men and women, and I thank you for this precious pastor and his wife who love this flock and who have the discernment and the insight to want to know what, to do what's best for this flock, regardless of how it may be misunderstood or the degree of risk of going there. Lord, I thank you today that your anointing is upon this place. There may be some things said that may never have been said in a public church service setting before but God your truth is what we want 
Hide me behind the cross and let Jesus be seen. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, I shared with a man this past week, people think, well, now, our, our sexuality, is it really all that important? Of course it is. Your sexuality, other than your, uh, other than your spirit being reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the most important thing about you. You don't think your sexuality is important. When you popped out of your mother's tummy and the doctor held you up by your ankles and spanked your little bottom, there was one part of you that everybody looked at to see if your name was going to be Fred or Frida. And that was your sexuality part. And that's why Satan wants to pervert sexuality because if he can pervert your sexuality, he'll pervert you. Okay? And if he can pervert you, he's going to pervert your family. If he can pervert your, fa- pervert your family, he's going to pervert your church. Now, I want to read something to you. Just You don't have to turn there. But in the Message Bible, I want to read this from Proverbs chapter 7. Just listen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7 from the Message Bible. Dear friend, do what I tell you. Treasure my careful instruction and do what I say and you'll live well. My teaching is as precious as your eyesight. Guard it. Write it on the back of your hands and etch it on the chambers of your heart. Talk to wisdom as to a sister. Treat insight as your companion. They'll be with you to fend off the temptress, that smooth-talking, honey-tongued seductress. As I stood at the window of my house, looking out through the shutters, watching the mindless crowd stroll by, I spotted a young man without any sense. Arriving at the corner of the street where she lived, then turning up the path to her house, it was dusk and the evening was coming on and the darkness thickening into light, into night. Just then a woman met him. She'd been lying in wait for him, dressed to seduce him. Brazen and brash she was, restless and roaming, never at home, walking the streets, loitering in the mall, hanging out at every corner in town. She threw her arms around him and kissed him and boldfully took his arm and said, I've got all the makings for a feast. Now, this is the Bible I'm reading, everybody, okay? I've got all the makings for a feast. Today I've made my offerings, my vows are all paid, so now I've come to find you hoping to catch sight of your face, and here you are. I've spread fresh, clean sheets on my bed, colorful imported linens. My bed is aromatic with spices and exotic fragrance. Come, let's make love all night and spend the night in ecstatic lovemaking. My husband's not home. He's away on business and he won't be back for a month. Soon she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. Before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to the butcher shop. Like a stag lured into ambush and then shot through with an arrow. Like a bird flying into a net, not knowing that its flying days are over. So friends, listen to me. Take these words of mine most seriously. Don't fool around with a woman like that. Don't even stroll through her neighborhood. Listen to this. Countless victims come under her spell. She's the death of many a poor man. She runs a halfway house to hell. And she fits you out 
with a shroud and a coffin. Proverbs 7. Today I have entitled this message, There's a Reason It's Called the Web. How many of you have a computer? Okay. It's the number one area of temptation for those who find themselves in sexual sin. Because of the internet, no longer does a man have to stroll through her neighborhood. Through the miraculous technology of the internet, now he can secretly bring her into his house. What does the word pornography mean? It comes from the Greek word porne, which means prostitute, and grapheum, which means writing. So it's the writing of a prostitute. Not just words, but images. And it's rightly called the web because many, many, many Americans and many, many, many Christians are being caught in this web, this spider web of Satan, and it is destroying families and it is destroying churches. I believe that pornography, not just because this is, you know, I do pastor a church and I do preach on other things other than sex and pornography, don't I? Okay. Uh, but because of what I've researched, what I've seen, and what I, have, what I have come across, I believe that pornography is the single most threat to the church today. You say, well, why are you saying to the church? Because it's in the church. You say, Pastor Manning, I love my pastor, and I love Miss Tracy. But I just think they should have got somebody to come in and talk about us something holy. Because I just don't believe that the church is the place to talk about what you're going to talk about. It is the very place that it needs to be talked about. Most of us learned about sex from the bathroom, the bushes, and the brothels, and the bar rooms, and it was all wrong. God created our sexuality. It wasn't an invention of Hugh Hefner. God created us like we are. God gave us this gift. And very rarely do you hear this topic talked about in a Holy Ghost environment where you can see what God's Word says. And if God's told us in His Word about how to be successful financially and what to eat, what not to eat, how to uh, 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 conduct our business affairs and all that about life, why would He leave out something so important as our sexuality? He didn't. We do. Amen. So I want you just to bear with me. I'm going to be like an evangelist. I'm going to blow in, blow up, and blow out. And then I'll leave you with your pastor. <laughs> and then he can blow up and blow up and blow up. All right? um, so you don't think it has a place in the church? Oh, really? Well, let's listen to some of these statistics. 
the heading of this is the spirit of Jezebel is destroying the family as we know it because she knows how to use a computer. 40 million people in America are sexually involved in the internet. 72% of those are male. 28% are female. Sex is the number one topic searched for on the internet. 25%, one quarter of search engine requests are pornographic. Over one half of all the money spent on the internet is sex related. One in 17 of young people between the age of 10 and 17 are threatened or harassed on the internet. One in five children have been propositioned for cyber sex on the internet. 70% of sexual advances on children are through their home computer. 89% of those solicitations are through chat rooms. The average age of first internet porn exposure is 11 years old. 34% of church-going women say they have intentionally visited porn sites online. Of evangelical pastors and lay leaders, evangelical, 64% confirm that they are struggling with sexual addiction or sexual compulsions, including pornography, compulsive masturbation, or other secret sexual activity. 90% of the men at a Christian retreat held by Kenny Luck, who is the men's minister at Saddleback Church admitted that they are feeling disconnected from God because of lust, pornography, or fantasizing. 57% of pastors say that porn addiction is the most sexually damaging issue facing their congregation. 25% of church members, yes, even you, even my people, even Pastor Kevin's flock, have viewed pornography 25% in the last month. 44% in the last six months. And 61% in the last 12 months. Now I heard this with my own ears. This wasn't something I read from a book. It's not just to spice up things to make you listen more. But I was listening to a 2009 Focus on the Family radio program where they went to a Christian college and interviewed the, the students. And they asked the students at a Christian college, how many of you have viewed pornography in the last week? 100% of the male students said they had. 87% of the female students said they had. Folks, this is not the society we grew up in. One in five pastors struggles with internet pornography. And one reader that I read out after, who I have a book back here by the name of uh, Ted Roberts, says that one in five pastors are addicted to pornography. No wonder they don't want me to come. 
38% of Americans say they find nothing morally wrong with visiting porn sites. Now, this is some new statistics here. 20 million Christians, 20 million, use some form of illicit material every week. And these next four statistics are just related to females. Hey, ladies, this isn't just a male problem. Now, everything I say today when I get going here in a minute is going to be mostly referring, uh, mostly referring, I'm going to refer to males or men, but it applies to ladies too. You don't believe it? Listen to this. 60% of church-going females admit to significant struggles with lust. 40% of church-going females admit to being involved in sexual sin in the past year. Four out of ten 20% of church-going females are looking at porn on an ongoing basis. And one in six struggles with porn addiction. And more than 80% of those take the addiction beyond the Internet to actually act it out physically. Do, do those statistics stagger you as much as they do me? This is something that Francis Frangipan said in his book, The Jezebel Spirit. There are respectable men who love God and seek to serve Him, yet secretly in their hearts they are prisoners of Jezebel. Even now they are deeply ashamed of their bondage to pornography and they can barely control their desire for women. Ask them to pray and their spirits are awash with guilt and shame. Their prayers are but the whimpers of Jezebel's eunuchs. Jezebel's eunuchs are those that she has castrated and emasculated spiritually and stripped of their priestly role and their godly, God-given authority, the men of the house. And they are trotting behind her like a calf to the butcher shop. Men don't understand women. But men don't understand, uh, women don't understand men. I told my ladies at church, I said, if you were a man for 10 minutes, you would not dress like you do. You would not hug like you do. I told my ladies, and I told them, I told my citizens, I said, some of y'all, when y'all hug me, I back up and I've got dents in my chest and I don't need that. I said, if you were a man five minutes, you would do things a lot differently than you do. Pornographic images burned into the memory files of a man's brain are there forever. Images filed as a young boy can be brought up at will to the front of the file on demand and they are as clear today as they were when we saw them as a 10 or 11 year old boy. Am I right guys? The problem with men having a Rolodex brain is that there are things that come to the front that we don't want to come to the front because there are stimulus, stimuli that, that, that trigger things 
even in church. Driving down the road, minding your own business. You see a certain make automobile. How many of y'all, the, the, the sound, the, the, the sight of a 57 Chevrolet brings back some God awful memories? A certain fragrance, a certain name, a certain place. Before I left the foothills to come to Charleston, the Piedmont, Pauline, I read my wife some responses that I had given out to men in a former, not yours, a former retreat. And you know what my wife said? She said, I mean, it's like a, this is like a million dollar revelation to her. She said, now you ready for this? This is what my wife said. She said, men really do want to be free, don't they? And I thought, well, duh. <laughs> See, our wives think that we're just some kind of perverts with eyes on stems that we just go around... We just love for drool to puddle at our feet. There are men who are suicidal because they can't get a hold and a, and a handle on this thing. But the responses, yes, that we got from your men prove, yes, honey, I know you think your husband's a pervert and that he don't really love you and he might be looking somewhere else to get satisfaction because he's sending you signals that you're not really enough. But really, I'm going to tell you something. Hey, he really does want to be free. He really wants you to be the only, as Brother Kevin said, cracker in the cupboard. Now, if casual exposure to pornography can rush to the front of a man's Rolodex brain file such images, what do you reckon the condition of a man's brain is that sits four and or a woman's brain that sits four and five hours a day? Feeding on, drawing on, looking at one image after another. More graphic, more graphic, more graphic, more graphic, more graphic. Can you imagine the mental condition of that person? You see, pornography affects the way you look at every woman you see. Listen, guys, you can't, you can't look down women's blouses, look up their blouses, look at pornography, and do this all week long, all week long, triggering your, training your brain to look and undress every woman you see, and then come in here on Sunday and throw your saved switch on and look at these women as your sisters and holy women of God. You're going to look at every woman in here just like you do out there. And it applies the same for women. I had a friend that I, uh, 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 well, he's not really a friend, but he's a gentleman that I did a, uh, one of my very first Everyman's Battle conferences with like 10 years ago, 8 years ago. 
He called me up about a year ago and he said, Pastor Manning, I need help. I said, I said, brother, are you still having some struggles with this? He said, listen, he said, I went a while and I was fine. But he said, I got back into looking at pornography again. And he said, I have not slept in three days. He said, every time I open my eyes, I am seeing demonic images and demonic things that Satan is just emptying hell with. And he said, I can't, I'm afraid to close my eyes. He's mentally tormented because of the images that he's put into his mind. Now, there is a lie that all porn addicts believe, and that's this. Everybody else that's dumb may get caught, but I'm too smart. I'll never get caught. My spouse will never find out. The day will come, and you mark old Pastor Manning's words, the day will come when you will forget to delete your history and your sights where you visited will be discovered. You will fail to cover your tracks and that one slip up and one is all it's going to take is going to expose your dark secret. Luke 12, 2 to 3 says this. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Two proofs of what I've said come to mind. About four or five months ago, I was sitting at the hospital waiting on one of my parishioners to have, a, have surgery, and my cell phone rang. And the voice on the other end said, Pastor Manning Strickland? I said, yes, it is. He said, uh, you don't know me and I don't know you and that's good. I thought, okay. <laughs> he said, I'm an evangelist in the state of South Carolina. And I have 25 uh, revivals booked up for the next 25 weeks. I thought, well, how could that be bad? I said, what's the problem? He said, I came home a while ago and all of my clothes are out in the yard. And I knew immediately what had happened, but I went ahead and asked, what happened? My wife found porn on my computer. See, he thought that he was smart enough to delete the history. He thought that he would always remember. Another story comes to my mind, and this is from a pastor in the town that, that I grew up in, big city of Roebuck. A pastor at a Baptist church there is no longer in the ministry. He got put out of the ministry by a custodian. What happened? Did they get in a fight? No. The custodian found the porn in the copier that the preacher left and forgot about. Now, why would you put it in the copier?
Why do I say with such authority that one day you will be exposed? Because God loves you too much to let you keep going down the road to self-destruction that you're on. Sooner or later, you're going to get a knock on the door and it's going to be, Hello, David. This is Nathan. Thou art the man. Now we told the guys, it's a whole lot easier for you to go find Nathan and look for you an accountability partner than it is for Nathan to have to come to your house. God loves you too much to let you keep going down this path You ain't that smart. You will be found out. And there will be a Nathan that comes to your house knocking on your... Do you think that Ted Haggard did not have a Nathan trying... Do you think that he did not not get uh, time after time after time after time after time... God tried to deal with him before it became public. Every minister and every person that's ever fallen, do you think that God did not try to deal with that privately before it came public? Of course. But if you get to the place that you feel like you're invincible and, oh, it may happen to everybody else, I promise you, I promise every man and woman in this place, if you are looking at pornography on a regular basis and you you think that you can keep it hidden from your spouse or your mom or your dad or whoever, you are the biggest fool in the state of South Carolina because you are going to be found out. Your sin will Find you out. And God loves you too much to let you keep going down that road. Now, there are three, I call these the three A's. The three A's, like ABC. The three A's that give internet porn its power to draw you into its web. If you're writing these down, number one, the first, the first reason that internet porn is able to draw you into its web is the A of affordability. You don't have to purchase pornography to access it on your computer. Anyone can afford it. It's free. And guess what? Your six-year-old can afford it. Your 11-year-old can afford it. It's affordable. Number two, it is accessible. You don't ever, listen, you don't have to put your fake nose and glasses and mustache on and sneak into the 7-Eleven anymore. You don't have to do that. Kids don't have to tear a page out of daddy's playboy and go out behind the barn to to be poisoned by uh, uh, this pornographic sludge. One click on the key of any computer hooked to the internet connects you to that cesspool of sewage and it will come pouring into your bedroom, dining room, kitchen, into your house. There's a third A, and that is anonymity. Anonymity. Your name is never known. You can partake of cyber sex with no commitment, no engagement ring, no dinner to buy. No promises to make. And you can be anyone you want to be. My wife Ann's first husband was a Nazarene pastor. He got involved with internet pornography. 
It started out like it always does, just curious. And then it deteriorated from there. He began to send images of himself all over the world. And then it got into child porn. And he was so poisoned and perverted by the demonic hold of pornography that he told her that he enjoyed sex on the internet better than he enjoyed sex with her. Now, ladies, what would that do to your spirit? She said, why would you just help me understand? Would you just tell me something to help me understand? He said, Ann, I can, I, can, I can change my identity and be... And this is why pastors get on. Listen. He said, I can change my identity, Pastor Kevin, and be anybody I want to be. I don't have to have everybody's answer. I don't have to be everybody's concordance, everybody's Bible, everybody's theologian. There's no commitment. And those women on the internet make me feel like the sexiest man in the world and the most desired man alive. The only problem with this is that it's not anonymous. Because God sees. The God with whom we will have to stand and give an account to. Now there's a warning to this generation. If we don't wake up, and this is why this needs to be preached in the church. And Pastor Kevin, thank you for allowing this to be. If we don't wake up and recognize where this country and the church is headed, what is going to, listen, what is going to be the moral condition of this country 20 years from now when this pornographic, poisoned, addicted generation that we're raising up is governing our nation and overseeing our churches? I know this is an area of thin ice right here, but I'm going to be gone in a little while. We are giving our 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds phones with cameras so that they can advertise their genitalia. And you say, my child don't do that. I told you, it's awful quiet now. I'll tell you one cotton-picking thing. If I'd, have been, if I'd have had a phone to do that when I was 14, I would have done it. And how many of you would have done it? Be honest. Come on, God's watching. Oh, come on. Come on. God's watching. Yeah, all right, all right. All, you know, well, my kids just text. Well, they ain't texting John 3.16 every text. I'll tell you that. (laughs) 
their text and verbiage that they won't say at the table in front of you. But see, we don't know all that abbreviation. P.O.S. You ever see P.O.S.? That means you on the other end of this, shut up, parent over shoulder. You got to stop talking like this right now. P.O.S. Parents over shoulder looking. People say, Pastor, why don't you text? Hey, I could walk to California before I could say yes. <laughs> we have forgot how to talk, y'all. I shouldn't have been in the ministry. I really wish that 30 years ago I had gone into medical school to be a carpal tunnel doctor. Because all of our kids are going to be, when they're 30, they ain't going to be able to pick their nose. And they'll be at the restaurant texting with the person they're eating with on the other side of the table. They can't even talk. C I B O G O C O K O O B O G. Can he make real words? And they talked us into doing it. Get in the real world, Mom. OMG. In 20 years, if we keep going this way, Pastor, there won't be a single place in society that your child will be safe from the hedonistic perverts that the Internet has created and we have tolerated. So what's the solution? I think number one is fall in love with Jesus afresh and recommit your heart, mind, and body to Him. Present your body a living sacrifice. Number two, remind yourself that the short-term pleasure is not worth the long-term loss and threat to your relationship with God and the ones you love. See, Satan never shows you the price tag because he knows it will always be more than you want to pay. And he tells every one of us, oh, but it won't be so bad for you. You won't, you, you won't have to pay much. We got, a, we got a hell special for you. Each family member must quit denying their involvement. Openly communicate with your spouse and your children and your parents. See, folks, we got to quit letting our kids... We got to quit letting our kids' friends be the only ones that talk to them about sex and what it cost to disobey God. Have an accountability partner of the same sex. 
This is something that we really made headway on yesterday, I think. Didn't we, guys? Y'all going to start getting some accountability partners? Of the same sex? Be aware of what each family member is viewing and who they're chatting with. Install filters and passwords. If you don't want your spouse to know your password, that tells you right there something's wrong. Well, I just, we, we trust each other. You're crazy. Don't you think that when I'm tempted, I think, do I want my wife to beat the hell out of me? She will. And it won't feel good. She's done had one pervert pastor. I wouldn't do nothing against my wife like that, no how, because I'm going to tell you what, that woman, oh my Lord. When her, before I was ever in the picture, her first husband, after his pornography stuff, got to running around with a woman. And all Ann had was the woman's first name and the city in South Carolina she lived in. I mean, she had the first name and the city. The next day, she's sitting in their driveway. <laughs> you think I am going to go up against private I am? I'm the kind of person, if I was having an adulterous affair, I'd be the first one to tell her. It drives me, I can't stand it. It just eats me alive. I tell on myself. Some of the evaluation forms yesterday, we, and, and I don't know who it was, so I'm, I, I'm not picking on anybody, but one of the evaluation forms said that my... my uh, my number one source of, uh, of uh, being sexually tempted is uh, videos. And I thought, you know what, videos? Well, duh. You know, quit renting them. Let's say a hypocrite is somebody that complains about the sex and violence on their VCR. <laughs> somebody said movies. Don't go to those movies. So the guys, listen, if you've got a problem with sweets, don't get you no job in a bakery. <laughs> Cancel those TV channels that bring it into your living room and make it so easy. If you've got dish, I know what you can do. You can block those channels and don't give your kids the password. I don't care if they stand on their head and, and threaten to burn the house down. You that may be addicted, seek help. It's not, a, it's not a sin to say, I need some help. Which is harder, seeking help or deciding which half of your stuff your wife's going to get. And then somebody else is going to play with your stuff. 
because she's going to find somebody that loves her. Get help. Establish new habits to replace the old ones. Flee from the very appearance of evil. Run from Satan's web. You know what? One thing I hate to do is walk into a spider web. Don't y'all hate that? It just always seems to get down here in your mouth and stuff where you can't. And being bald-headed, there's another problem. God does work mysteriously in great minds. And those he made great, he don't put hair on. Okay. This, this, I ain't going to charge you nothing extra for this because this ain't got nothing to do with sex or porn or anything, but I just, I just thought about it and I want to say it. Um, it has to do with baldness. One thing that you folks that's got hair, you guys that's got hair, don't even, and it even crossed your mind is this. When you are about to bump your head and you got hair, as soon as you feel your hair move, you stop. When you ain't got no hair... You don't stop. You just keep going. And I was at the airport. And there was a plane there in a hangar. And it had an old, it was an old plane. And it had an old wing on it. And it had corrugated wings, which from one end of the wing to the other end, there were little diamond-shaped holes in the edge of the wing. And it was hollow all the way through, about every two inches. It was a little hollow, corrugated hole. Well, Delbert Dumb, he just walks right into the plane, wing of the plane. It knocks me back, and I back up, and blood's coming down my face. And I look in that plane, and it's got meat packed in about three of those holes. No warning system. Been there, done that. Bar stools are bad, too. <laughs> Huh? What I told my people? Well, Pastor Kevin was supposed to... Y'all, we through with this other. Um, <laughs> Pastor Kevin was supposed to come and help us celebrate. What were we celebrating? I think we were celebrating the invention of Rogaine or something, but I, it was celebrating something. And Pastor Kevin was going to be my keynote speaker. Well, he told me he had had an accident. And I just simply repeated to my people, huh? Oh, the flu. Oh, the flu. I didn't get that part. <laughs> so I said, I said, folks, I am sorry. You know, I know we were anticipating Pastor Kevin Baird being here. We love his ministry and it'd be good to see my cousin again and all that. But I said, he can't come today. I said, he knocked himself out on a bar stool. And I just left it at that. And then I was up in Michigan. So I got to be careful. See, he gets on my website and sees what I say. And, hears, and there's a video of me preaching in Michigan. And this was right after this happened. And I don't even know why I said it, but you came up. I didn't say your name, thank God. I said, I got a pastor friend that hit his head on a bar stool. 
And he told me that it made a a, a cut the shape of South Carolina. And I just told him, well, thank God you don't live in Texas. (laughs) Now, Oh, well, I forgot that part. Passed out and hit a bar stool. That's it. I stand corrected. I believe that. I do vaguely remember that is the exact words I said. (sighs) Folks, after we've talked about what we've talked about today, it's good to laugh, isn't it? I'm so encouraged about this flop in the hearts of the men. And I want to tell you today, if you were not here, male or female, well, you weren't here yesterday, it was a female, of course, but if any of you males that were not here, you guys that weren't here, and you're struggling, these guys that were here will make excellent mentors to help you through any struggle you have. They admitted the things that, you know what they all found out? The number one, the number one question, and it happens everywhere I go, not just Charleston, everywhere I go, the number one question that every man that scored the top on, on their evaluation was, I wonder if I'm the only man having the struggles I'm having. Wives, listen, your men have struggles. They do. But they don't want to keep struggling. They want to be the victor. And they can be the victor. Love them and be patient with them. And know that you are there, you lamb. And they do want to die for you and live for you and love only you. But there's a battle going on. And it's not just a battle for a man's mind. It's a battle for our families. It's a battle for for, for marriages. It's a battle for our children. It's a battle for our churches. And it's a battle for this country. You look at every society that fell. What was the core of it? Sexual impurity. And a man walks away from God long before he ever walks away from his wife. And I just thank God that this house is one that recognizes that there is a battle. What kind of military would we have if we trained our soldiers to believe, now you get to wear the uniform and you can carry a weapon and it'll have real bullets in it. But don't worry, there's not going to ever be a war. You're just going to look good. Not any real fights. What kind of military would we have? That's the reason the church is in the anemic condition it is today. we got preachers harping about, well, this and that, and pastors, and, and they're, they're up in arms about this and that. And that. Listen, this, this is... We, we, the, preachers are fixated on stuff that don't even matter. How long your skirt is? Do you have any makeup on? What version of the Bible are you reading? 
those may be little termites in the house, but my Lord, the house is on fire. Don't call an exterminator. There are other problems, but the biggest one is your house is on fire. The church is on fire and it's sexual impurity. And we're not going to have revival, restoration, renewal, or anything else until the hearts of God's people are a safe place for Him to come and tabernacle and deposit His dreams and purposes and plans. And I want to say I thank God for a pastor with boldness enough to recognize that the house is on fire. Because it don't matter what valuables you have that you hold dear in this place. If the house burns up, the valuables are going to burn up with it. Yes, there are termites. But I don't know many families that have died because they got termites. I do know many that died in a house fire. And the biggest issue in the church today is the silence in the pulpit concerning this very thing that we've talked about this weekend. It's the elephant in the room nobody wants to notice and talk about. But you do. You have. Victory is in the camp. And if what I saw with these men Friday night and Saturday morning is any indication, guess what? Get ready. This is going to be this is going to be an oasis for those who can't find help anywhere else that know this is a real bunch of people that aren't afraid, aren't afraid to face real problems with a real answer. Can somebody give the Lord praise? Let's give the Lord praise. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. I am free. I'm free. of the home. It's the elder at the gate in Proverbs 31 where the virtuous woman, why was she virtuous? Why was she virtuous? Because her elder sat at the gate. Her, her, her husband sat at the gate as an elder, as a priest. What do they do at the gate? The gates is where the headquarters were. That's where the decisions of the city were made. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church doesn't mean swingy things. It's where the headquarters is. The headquarters of hell shall not prevail against the church. And the virtuous woman's husband sat at the gates with the other elders of the city. And they made decisions. What kind of decisions? They decided what could come in the city. And bless God, they decided what had to get out of the city. And, and, and listen, listen, dads. You can't tell your kids to get rid of stuff that you're letting in the city. If you're giving it access in, you're playing games with the devil. He knows you're not serious. 
Don't even waste your time praying for your kid not to get caught up, your daughter not to get pregnant, your son not to impregnate some girl if you're in the bedroom in the dark looking at stuff that's going to make a shame to your wife and ruin her spirit and kill her confidence and break the heart of God in sin. It's time we say, listen, I know you've been here in my house a while, but listen, you're getting an eviction notice about right now. I ain't, I, I'm not, I'm going to, listen, I ain't divorcing my wife, devil. I'm going to divorce you. I ain't divorcing my kids. I'm divorcing you. Listen, I'm tired of raising you and all your little imps. Get out of here. And then that's where revival to the church is going to come because the re- church is made up not just how, of how victorious this pastor and his wife is, but the church is made up of families that are made up of moms and dads. So I'm excited. I am thrilled. And I believe the best is yet to come for Legacy Church. God's going to honor the men's decisions. He's going to honor this pastor's decision. God's wanting somewhere that he can just lie down and be comfortable. And not just visit, but inhabit. And he's got some dreams, Pastor Kevin. And he's got some visions and some plans that he's yet to deposit in this house. And they're going to start being deposited. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. Because of the heart of the men. Thank God for you women. You have carried the ball. But God doesn't expect you to be the priest of the home, the daddy of the home, the disciplinary of the home, and the husband of the home. And the covering of the home. There's enough for you to do if you're doing what you ought to be doing. So God bless you. And thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. I ain't got a clue what kind of altar call to give after all this. Because I know we can't, you know, we can't lay hands on you and lay hands on you and, you know, it all fall out, fall off. You know, I've laid, you know, I ain't going to go there, but... (laughs) Uh, it was an illustration I gave yesterday, but I won't give it now because I might get whipped before I leave. Um, but not everything is instantaneous. There's some, there's, some, there's, there's, there's some renewal of the mind. There's some processing. There's some laying down the desires of the flesh. But I want to say thank you for giving me an opportunity to minister this morning. And I thank your pastor once again. And thank you guys for your... Man, y'all were just like saying sick them to a bulldog. I mean, it was, I know how a woman feels now when she's pick, fixed a big old dinner and everybody gobbles it up. It was just, it's been refreshing. And I've needed this too. And I thank you, brother. God bless you.